Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vine with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Uh, once again, right here, breaking open the Word of God and the Word of Truth. I uh, just want to thank you for joining us this morning as we come together to just lift up the name of Jesus and declare His glory and to just get into to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to get into us to change and transform us as we go about doing the Great Commission of reaching the lost, dying, hurting, and broken for the gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're tuned in for us for the first time, or you're listening to this on tape delay or some other uh, electronic format or somebody's giving me a CD of this, we just want to thank you for joining us. We are teaching an expository class through our Raven Institute in the book of Romans. And I believe we've had 47 classes thus far, but don't fear. We have recorded those classes and we're making those available to you absolutely free of charge online that you can download those onto your computer in MP3 format. Matter of fact, I'm in contact with, with folks literally all over the world. Just got an email this morning uh, from a uh, pastor in, uh, I believe, yeah, this is in North Africa. And uh, he's utilizing those things and I'm putting some things in his hand. Actually, he has to go to an internet cafe and get that type of information. But he's getting these classes and he's going to begin to use those in their Bible schools there in North Africa. So you guys that have been a part of this class, thank you so much for, for being a part of that because it really goes way beyond where we're sitting here today, even in our live format. There's people that are, are taking those things and utilizing that word. Uh, and it's good because, you know, so much of the stuff in the United States that we've exported in the name of Christianity has been destructive. And, you know, it feels good to me to, to be able to sit down and to be able to give, give, give the solid word of God, not this hokey-pokey type of thing, but to really get out there and just give the truth of the of the gospel, the blood of Jesus, and preach the cross, and knowing that people are grabbing a hold of those type of things and utilizing them in other formats. So we appreciate you guys joining us. If you want more of the uh, the classes download, you can go to our website. It's www.biggrace.com. www.biggrace.com, and you can click on Raven Institute. And all of the previous classes are going to be available by clicking on that link. And there's a lot of other good information on Raven Ministries and on other ministries. We got a uh, page at the very bottom that says Raven Nation has our teams all the way around the country and also there's one that says Ministry Links and it's probably about 15 other uh, ministries that we affiliate with or we just know the people and they just love Jesus and uh, and really encourage you to click on those get to see them everything from uh, uh, Matthew Barnett the Dream Center our friend uh, uh, Bobby Chance with uh, Streetwise Ministries in California local churches in uh, uh Pastor Rick Del Rio in New York City. Uh, Brother Steve Ignowski, who you'll see here, he and his wife Jody, their link's on there. So there's a lot of links on there. Uh, I encourage you to go and just take a look at the website. The website is we, we update that thing on a regular basis. Try to get as much information. If you have any questions, uh, comments, want to get involved in outreach ministry, or we can help you in any way. If you're doing some things and we can help be a support to you, we would love to do that in any way that we can and we're possibly capable of. So we appreciate you coming today. And once again, those classes are going to be available to you. Every day our classes are available online. Immediately, uh, probably a couple hours after the class airs, we upload those and make those available to you so you can take those into your computer. There's no copyright, so copy them all you want. Give them away. We encourage people to give those things away. That way other folks can take advantage of the teaching on the Word of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I've got a stack of prayer requests here. We prayed for those last night. We do a Raven Nation program that all of our teams come together, and it's, an, it's usually very intense. And last night was ac- uh, uh, absolutely no exception to that. But every Tuesday evening at 8.30 to 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have the Raven Nation program. And we take prayer requests from literally all over the world. And I have a stack of them right here on the, on the desk this morning. 
that probably as many as we've ever gotten. I mean, there's enormous types of prayer requests. It really tells me that that's the type of the, the day and age in which we live. People are needing healing and miracles and breakthroughs and all types of things. And so as we pray this morning, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay my hand on these requests. We don't have the time to to go through them all by name, but the Lord Jesus Christ knows the needs that are here. And I just ask you guys just agree with me because there's people that here that need a miracle. You know. Uh, we sometimes think that our situations are, are difficult. Man, there's people that are having a lot more difficult time than we are. But I believe that, that the, the, the prayer of faith can heal the sick, that it can raise the dead, that it opens blind eyes, that it brings breakthrough where there's no breakthrough. It gets people from California to, 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 to Florida. I'm using that for Deb who's with us today. And so, you know, I, I believe that prayer is the enabling factor behind all those things. It sells houses. As, as Brother Terry, who's with us, needs his house sold. And, and this opens doors of, of ministry and opportunities for us. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless this time of teaching, but also these, these literally dozens upon dozens of prayer requests that I have before me this morning as well. Father, we just thank You, Lord God, that, that Jesus is enough, that the blood of Jesus is enough. Lord God, we don't, we don't need Jesus. We don't need Him and something else. That, Lord God, it's Him. He is our hope of glory. That, Lord God, we come today, Lord God, as a people, Father, that are totally and completely dependent upon Christ Jesus. And Lord God, we just put our faith in Him and Him alone in the finished redemptive work of the cross of Calvary. Father, we thank You, Lord God, that we have a hope that transcends, Lord God, our abilities. It transcends our failures. It transcends our infirmities, our iniquities. It transcends, Lord God, our difficulties. And Lord God, that's the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do everything but fail. And Father, I ask You today in the name of Jesus, Lord God, as we just lift up these prayer requests to You, I ask You to just touch these hearts and lives. Lord God, you know the ones, Lord God, that are here that have called out and said, Lord God, I, I just need a touch. I need a healing. I need somebody in my family to be saved. Father, I just pray, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you just begin to touch hearts. Lord God, where hearts have been hardened, Lord God, they've been made stony. That Father, once again, you would cause the heart of, of flesh, Lord God, to come. That it might be pliable in your hand. And Lord God, not just those that are, have their hearts hardened, Lord God, in the world, but Lord God, those that have had their hearts hardened by the church, Lord God, that through the, the failure, Lord God, of the so-called professing church. Lord God, their hearts have been hardened. Lord God, there's many that are still in church, Lord God, but their heart is so hardened, Lord God, that they can't even hear your voice. There's ministers in pulpits, Lord God, that have hardened hearts against the Spirit of God. And it's become, Lord God, not their passion, but it's become their vocation, Lord God. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for miracles, Lord God, and breakthrough, Lord God. For, Lord God, for a revolutionary revival to break loose, Lord God, in people's lives. Lord God, today I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, even as churches across this nation and other nations, Lord God, would gather here on for their midweek service on a Wednesday night. Father, I just pray for an outpouring, Lord God. Father, what I want to hear, I don't want to hear another report of another minister, Lord God, falling into sexual immorality. Lord God, I want to hear a report, Lord God, of breakthrough and of miracles, Lord God, and of, of the bondages being broken, Lord God. I want to hear, uh, I want to hear reports, Lord God, of, of whole scale revival, Lord God, hitting cities and, and bars and strip clubs are, are, are closed down because there's no one to go there anymore because cities are getting saved. That's the type of report I want to hear, Lord God. And I want to believe, Lord God, in this last hour, before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, that, that, that Father, we, we want to have the expectancy, we want to have the audacity, Lord God, to believe that You can do it, Lord God, if Your people, Lord God, would just go preach that Word with, with uncompromising faith and fervor, Lord God, and a passion. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for Your power and Your anointing to be poured out for Your Word, Lord God, even as this Word, this, this teaching that we do, Lord God, it's going into Pakistan, 
It's going into India. It's going into to Africa, Lord God. It's going into the into Europe and the nations of this world. It's going into Asia, Lord God. It's throughout the United States and Canada and in in, in the, the the Americas, Lord God. Father, we pray that that word would go forth, and Lord God, it would be a light shining in darkness. That Father, we would just be able to reveal that it's Christ and Him crucified, the power of God to change hearts, lives, Lord God, to topple powers and principalities, Lord God, and establish Your kingdom, Lord God, in the hearts and lives of men. And Father, we just ask for Your blessing and Your anointing, Lord God, upon this teaching of the Word today, upon the, the Word of God, that You would just cause revelation, Lord God, and realization to come into our lives. Father, just ask You, Lord God, to, to just use me. Lord, I confess, Lord God, that in and of myself I'm unable, but there's a capability, Lord God, beyond anything that I know and anything that I can comprehend, because the Word has given me a promise, and it said the Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth, Lord God. And I know it starts right here in the name of Jesus, in, in, in Troy Bond's life. It starts with you leading and guiding me, Lord God, that I might be able to speak your word boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We thank you for answered prayer. We thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. I don't know about you folks, man, but I've got an expectancy and I've got an excitement about what the things about what God is going to do. I've just seen too much fragmentation, I guess you could say, in... Uh, within those things called uh, Christianity. But I, I believe that what's happening, we're seeing uh, persecution. One of the prayer requests that we had, and most of you folks that follow the news have been seeing the issue with the, the Korean Christians that are, that are being held by the, the Taliban in Afghanistan. Uh, what, that, what that does, folks, you know, we, we look at it as such a difficult thing, but we're going to see some things today in our teaching on Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through probably about 4 this morning. That, that show, listen, that is just right on time with what the Word of God is teaching. And you know, for our nation, that you that are listening to us here in the United States, we could, we could probably uh, do for a little bit more intense persecution. You know, because, you know, Paul the Apostle said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he was saying, you know what, listen, for me to, lie, to live, living, I, I just have the opportunity to invest and to preach to other people. But literally, to lay down my life for the cause of Christ, he said, that's the, that's the great gain for me. For to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And the, and the, the, the Korean uh, pastor that they executed uh, just recently you know, he's in the presence of the Lord. Now, this is a guy that loved Jesus, and the devil thought that he would shut up the preaching the gospel. But i got news for you. I ain't shutting up. I ain't backing up. I ain't slowing up. And I certainly am not going to give up until the eastern sky split or that trump sounds or whatever mechanism God wants to utilize to bring me into his presence. But, folks, we've got to press in and press on and endeavor to do the work of the ministry because the time is short. And there's a devil out there that the Word says goes about like a roaring light seeking him you may devour. He's trying to devour your faith. He's trying to devour your passion. He's trying to devour the Great Commission. He has been working and trying to do a wholesale slaughter of those things for generations. But I believe that what God is doing in this hour, and we're going to find through the Word today, that He is raising up a remnant according to the election of grace that is just willing to stand up and to declare it even if it be from the housetops, the goodness and the mercy and the power of the blood of Jesus to, to this untoward generation. So here we are today standing before that, believing God for miracles and, 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 and believe in God for, for, for lives to be changed. And he's, if, if the enemy thinks that he can take somebody out, I believe God's going to raise up ten more in their place. That God is raising up multiplication. Where it was just before, you know, we had a generation that the ministry was strictly limited to a few men in pulpits. I believe that the pulpits are going to be uh, uh, extended into street corners and into back alleys and into nursing homes and into jail houses. That there's going to be a multiplication of pulpits. It's no longer going to be a wooden lectern on a, in a carpeted uh, auditorium but the pulpits are going to be uh, uh, 
desk at your work and and and, and schoolyards that the pulpits are going to be increased and the enemy is going to is is going to begin to shake and shiver as the word of God is preached with reckless abandon and they're going to say take it out of the courthouses but you're going to have jurors going to stand up and you're going to have Supreme Court justice you're going to have people going to stand up and say listen I don't care what the ACLU says I don't care what the devil says I'm going to obey God rather than men and I'm going to stand for for righteousness and I'm going to stand for holiness and I'm I'm going to preach that word until Jesus comes but where it's starts, folks, is it starts in faith. It starts in getting into the Word and allowing the Word to get into us and building a faith and a fervor because the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And it's a fervency, I believe, that God is raising up in our hearts and lives to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I'll stop preaching here just a second and I'll start teaching here in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So, sometimes, folks, you just got to get it out. Early in the morning, I'll seek Him and I'll, I'll declare His name among the nations. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. That was what we studied yesterday, folks. And, and I want to read that again, I'm gonna, but I'm going to read it in kind of my, my amplified, personal amplification. This ain't the amplified Bible that I'm fixing to read from. This is just my breakdown of the, the meanings of that. He said in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, He said, Therefore, or the fact of the matter is, we have all been acquitted of all of our crimes against right, the righteousness of God as a result of being morally convicted of the truthfulness of God. This has resulted in us having both justifying peace, which is the peace of God that comes uh, about at conversion and sanctifying peace which is the peace with God resulting from the process of sanctification or, or in walking faithfully in the things of God. This is all accomplished by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition, it is through Jesus that we have access or the relationship that extends to us the open door to come boldly to Him. By the same faith or moral conviction that he that, that all that he says is absolute truth by the divine influence upon our lives that is designed to bring about the reflection of his righteousness, and this is where we stand in where and where we are seated with him in heavenly places. So, folks, that was that's really kind of the the synopsis of what we studied yesterday in, in the the biggest part of chapter five verses. Uh, one and two, and but I didn't get to cover the end of, of verse two, and I, I went ahead and closed that because I didn't have time to kind of go into it to the depth that I wanted to. And so in verse two, it, it says uh, all those things that I talked about just now. They they all kind of lead up to or or, or speak of what's going to what's going to bring about this reaction. You know, all those things were justified by faith. We have peace through God. We we have access by faith. Wherein we stand. But there's got to be a reaction. There's got to be a fruit. There's got to be something that's going to come out of all those things that we have. If I say I have something, but those things are never made manifest, those things never come out and they, they prove anything, they never exhibit anything, then, 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 then what's it for? And so here's what he said. He goes on to say, after that, but we have access into faith, there we stand. And he says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so that's where we left off in the last class. But I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it in your life, in your relationship with Jesus, and I'm, I'm just assuming that if you're listening to this that you're a believer today, uh, that what is it that you rejoice in? What is it in your life that you rejoice in? And, and you need to ask yourself, just as I have to ask myself on a, on a daily basis, Lord God, what is it today, as I close out a day, God, Lord God, what is it that I'm rejoicing in? There's got to be something that, that I'm rejoicing in. Folks, listen, you know, 
myself, I, I can say in the natural, man, I rejoice and I, I love preaching the gospel. I love teaching the word. I love doing those type of things. I want it to be my, my, my rising up in the morning and I want it to go my, my, my going to sleep at night. My, my alarm goes off at early in the morning, about, about 5.30 uh, every, every morning. Melanie uh, told me this morning, she said, who are you talking to? And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're just speaking clearly. And, and, and in my sleep uh, last night or early this morning before I got up, I was actually witnessing in my, in my sleep. And, and I knew the situation when I woke up there in my dream. It was, it was witnessing to somebody that was saying, you know what, I'm, I'm about ready, but you know what, I just, I just don't know when. And I believe that God will understand that is what they were telling me in this dream. That you know He'll understand if something did happen because I was just showing Him the urgency of, of coming to Christ and repenting and doing it in the now. And He said, well, I just know He'll understand. And in, my, in my dream, I said, so let me ask you a question. And I just, exactly like that. So let me ask you a question. I said, who's the liar here? And uh, Melanie said, it was just like you were talking to somebody uh, right there. And really my question to him was, who's the liar? The, the Word says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. And so I want to ask you a question today. What is it that you are rejoicing in? That word rejoice obviously comes from the, the, the root word for joy. Rejoice. And so I'll ask this question again. What is it that produces joy in your life? And I want to preface that by saying, you know, and, and most of you folks will know this, what, what is it that, that word joy that we talk about greatly differs from the word happiness? Because in the Greek, literally that word uh, joy means to give glory with or without reason. And so if I have joy, it means that I give glory with or without reason, or without or regardless to the obvious evidence. And you need to get that in your heart And if you're taking notes. That if I have joy, it means that I give glory with or without reason or regardless of the obvious evidence. I may not see it. It may not be evident to me. But I'm giving glory anyway because it's something that transcends those type of things. Folks, happiness is what the world seeks. But see, happiness is based solely upon a reaction to our circumstances but not even all circumstances, but only circumstances that, that are going to produce favorable results. What we've seen in, in Christianity, or in, 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 in pseudo-Christianity, because much of it's not even genuine Christianity, they're promising a type of, uh, they're promising happiness. And so they're saying, if you'll just come up, and, I, and I've heard this, I've been in church services, large people, and they said, well, come up here, God's got such a wonderful thing for you, you know, that God has got happiness planned for you. Folks, listen, uh, am I... Am I happy? Yeah, most of the time. Uh, am I pleased with my circumstances? Uh, hey, really, I'm not under circumstances. I'm under the blood of Jesus. But I tell you what, if it was all predicated upon my, my happiness and my circumstances, I tell you what, I'd, I'd be wishy-washy all the time. But the church today is promising that. Come up here and God's going to have something great for you. Then what ends up happening is that, that sinner comes up to the pulpit and they say, Hey, listen, this sounds like a good deal. I think I'll pray this prayer with me. Man, I just left my house. And man, things were in turmoil. My children were in rebellion. My, my wife was, was, was mad at me. My job is bad. And if I could just come up to this pulpit today, just like this pastor is saying, and I pray this simple little prayer, uh, man, and I, and I ask Jesus to come into my life, man, I'm going to walk out of here and all my circumstances are going to be changed. My kids are going to be nice. My family's going to be like uh, the Cleaver family on Leave it to Beaver. And my, I'm going to go to work and my boss is going to appreciate me. He'll probably give me a raise. Folks, that is just not the reality of it. You know, but that's basing salvation upon happiness. But see, what happens in this is because the church has tried to offer salvation in that type of uh, uh, sinister, deceptive type of package, 
that person that goes home and he finds that his wife is, is, is still angry, his children are still in rebellion, his, his job is still miserable, what does he do? He says, you know what? This God must have failed me. This God must not be real. No, folks, the problem is, is the message is not being preached in truth. He didn't come to save you from your circumstance. He came to save you from the wrath to come. He came to change and to transform you. Not change your circumstance. Because, folks, circumstances change just like the weather. They change like you, the proverbial, like you change your socks. Those circumstances change. God didn't come to change the circumstances. All the circumstances are is temporal. He came to change that which is eternal. And that is you. And that is I. But we've got to begin to preach a gospel that is geared towards eternity. A gospel that's focused is on eternity. And folks, that's what the gospel, the message of the cross is focused on. It's that message focused on, on, on that which is eternal, that which is life. Because we know at the end of the day the Word of God teaches us that, that flesh and blood or our circumstances or what we see cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Mortality has got to take on or pick up immortality. Our message has got to got to move toward from a, 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 a message of mortality or what we can acquire or not what we can accumulate or what we can do or accomplish. It's got to be, you know what? It's, it's a message that's got to go and it's got heaviness to go. Uh, pleasing Christ Jesus. Doing, doing righteousness. The message has so deviated. And so here, but here's, here's the tricky part of that is. The church has sought to, in, in many cases, if they've not gone totally off, they've sought, they've sought to kind of meld the messages together. And, and folks, what I see in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, is that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we try to meld those things, we say, okay, you know what? Uh, we, we need to have happiness. We need to have our circumstances fixed. But we're going we're gonna to still focus on eternity. Folks, you really can't serve two masters. You know what? We've got to set our affections on those things that are above and not beneath. We've got to press towards a mark for that prize, the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he said if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness... Listen, all the other stuff is going to take care of itself. God said, I know that you have need of, of, of things to eat and things to wear, a place to live. He said, listen, but if you'll just focus your message, if you'll focus your heart, if you'll focus your goal upon eternal things, He said, you won't even have to worry about those other things. He said, I'll be there for you. And He said, I'll cause you not to flow within your circumstances and happiness, but He said, I'll cause you to walk in a life that transcends even the most dire of situations. And people look at you and say, I just don't even understand how, where they're coming from. Their, their circumstances wouldn't do that. And they'll say, listen, I don't live under the circumstances. I live under faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, on joy, talking about happiness, and it's those things that, that, that are only going to produce favorable results. And that's what the world is looking for. And uh, sad to say, on a, on a large scale, the modern church is looking for. Joy, on the other hand, is totally and completely, totally and discon uh, completely disconnected from what is seen. It's disconnected from what is understood in the natural. And, it, or, and, it's, and it's even indescribable in, in, in most cases because it manifests itself outwardly as a result of something that can only be truly experienced inwardly. I want to say that again. Joy may manifest itself outwardly, but it's only based upon the results of something that is completely experienced Inwardly, Joy is not out here. Joy is not something external. Joy is something that is totally internal. Now look at this. Here's what the Word says in 1 Peter 1 and 8. 1 Peter 1 and 8. It says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious 
joy. I want to say that again. He said, even though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Even though you do not see Him now, you still believe Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's something that's unspeakable. In other words, there's, there's, just, there's something that's there's just no words to describe it or words do not suffice to say it. And so there's, there's a joy that comes inside of us based not upon what we see, but upon what God has said. And if you've been around me for any length of time, you've heard me say this, that there's a greater reality than what we see, and it's what God has said. Heaven and earth are all those things that, that we, we, we try to acquire an ocular or visual evidence from. Those things are going to pass away. They're going to burn up like hay, wood, and stubble. But there's a greater reality, and it's what the Word of God has said. It's what, who the Word of God is inside of our lives. And so when the Word of God speaks into our hearts and lives through the person of the Holy Spirit, and, and it speaks eternity, it speaks holiness, it speaks righteousness, folks, that's the reality. Everything that we see here today in our, with our eyes is just literally an illusion. Here's what we get to thinking sometime. And, uh, and, and you know, it's easy to fall into this trap. We think that the Spirit is something that's created out of the natural realm. Folks, listen. The, the Spirit is the reality. The natural realm is that physical manifestation or illusion of that which is already happening in the spirit realm. If we could see right now us as being these, uh, 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 being the, having the frailty of the human flesh and walking in a limited understanding, if suddenly our eyes were open, which is what the gift of discernment is, gift of discernment spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, it's a heightened awareness of the spiritual realm. And, and many times you'll have that. You'll be dealing with somebody in a situation and you'll have an awareness. You'll discern a, a particular spirit. You'll discern a situation. You'll discern an attitude or whatever it is. But can you imagine if that, that discernment went from just a, a momentary ability that was uh, given to you by the, the Holy Spirit to in, enlighten you on a particular situation? What if the total blinders were removed and we no longer saw through a glass darkly, but we had total and complete discernment? I tell you what, your focus on things would totally change. Why? Because no longer would you see these things. But you would see that there is a battle that is waging right in front of your face, right in front of your spiritual eyes. That there is a battle going on for the hearts and lives and souls of God. You would see the manifestation of wicked, unclean spirits that are, that are, that are treacherous, that are going after your thought life, that are, that, are, that are blaspheming the name of God, that are unpure, that are unholy, that are, that are flowing through the media, that are flowing through filthy things on television, flowing through the filthiness of, of, uh, of, uh, of the internet and pornography, many times flowing through the deceptiveness off of pulpits. Folks, listen, we, we say we want a greater discernment. Many times, listen, we probably got to be thankful that we don't. Otherwise, we, we, we might be in, literally impaled by those type of things. Just that understanding. Folks, that's what it is. It's a, but it's, it's seeing the unseen and believing that there's a victory even in the things that we don't see. And loving Him even though that we don't see Him and believing Him. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are those that, that have not seen yet still believe. And folks, listen, there's a blessedness. There's a blessing that comes when we don't even see those things, but we're aware and we're mindful with the mind of Christ of the things that are going in that transcend the limitations of our own ability. And so, folks, we're talking about this, this rejoicing. He says that, that, that we rejoice in the hope of glory. The rejoicing, it says, is not in something that is acquired. Because happiness is based on acquirement. Acquirement of relationship, acquirement of stuff, acquirement of an uh, of, of attitude, acquirement of a job, or acquirement of a house. It's all on something that has been acquired or something that's been accumulated. Uh, rejoicing is not in something that's acquired, but it says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Hope here, folks, is not presented as a goal or a place or accomplishment in which we are trying to get to, but hope that we are glorying in, it represents a state or a condition of being. I want to say that again. Hope is not presented or represented as a goal or, or a place of accomplishment uh, that we're trying to get to. But when it talks about we, we rejoice uh, in hope of the glory of God, it's saying that we rejoice in the state or the condition that we are. Listen, hope shouldn't be something that we're looking towards. Hope should be something that we walk in. Hope should be something that describes us. Hope should be a characteristic of our life. Now listen to this. Instead of the believer just trying, just having hope, we should be the manifestation of hope. I want to say that again. Instead of we as believers trying to just have hope, do you have hope? Yeah, I'm, I'm, man, my hope is, I'm just struggling in my hope. Folks, listen, we need to manifest hope. When we go into darkened places, when we go into situations that are difficult, listen, we don't need to, 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 to do hope. We need to be hope. We need to be hope in the, in the, in, to the prostitute. We need to be hope to the drug addict. We need to be hope in the, in the prison yards. We need to be hope in our families. We need to be hope on, in, the, in the college campuses. We need to be the manifestation of hope. Hope, uh, to me, is really kind of an interesting concept because it's not something that, uh, that can really be realized apart from the Holy Spirit in one's life. Hope is a new way of seeing things altogether. And so if you try to describe hope to a lost person... It's incomprehensible. It's something that they can't attain in the Spirit. It's something that is spiritually attained. And I believe that there's a greater revelation of hope as we press in to the person of Christ Jesus, as we, we draw nigh through prayer and through reading of the Word, that hope is, is, is made manifest. Think of this for a moment. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13. In light of what I said, that hope is a new way of seeing things altogether. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13, 12-13 says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, or when we get face to face with Him, He said, I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. He said, But now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so, He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 12-13. He said, the things that are said to remain, the things that are constant, the things that will not pass away, he said, are the three things that are the hardest to get literally our mind around. You know, we think about faith, we think about hope, we think about love. Man, sometimes those things seem so abstract. We want something concrete. We want something just a little bit more deliberate. We want something that's not so ooey-gooey. But he says, the things that, uh, that remain are those things that in the natural, in the flesh... Faith, hope, and love. Well, those, that's great, but really, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So we know that there's three things that remain. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, we know from Hebrews 11.1, 1, and the, the evidence of things not seen. Well, there's a, there's a word we've been talking about this morning. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to say this. Faith is the substance or the foundation of things hoped for. I want to say it like that again. Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It talks about love. Now, now, love is another one of those concepts that men have tried really unsuccessfully to, to understand for generations. Now, listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 says this. It says, Love suffers long uh, and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Same, same chapter. It's not puffed up. does not behave itself rudely. does not seek its own. It's not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, there's that word rejoice, but rejoices in truth, 
It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I want to notice. I want you to notice something about that. Where it talks about now there abided faith, hope, and love. Faith is literally the substance of things. It's the foundation of hope. Now look at hope is is intimately really tied to faith and love. And the reason for this is that hope is not, and I'll say it again, is not aspiring to, to achieve something, or better yet, hope is not something that we do, but folks, hope is something that we are. I want to say that again. Hope is not something that you'll do. Hope is something that you are. Let me, let me prove that out for you a bit. We know that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know that, right? Romans 10, 17. And we know that Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. Uh, that's John 1, 14. And we also know that the, that the church or the body of Christ is built upon the rock. He told, he told uh, Peter in, in Matthew 16, 18, he said, Upon this rock, speaking of himself, Petra, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So knowing all those things, it could be said that faith is our foundation and that faith is the foundation of hope or the foundation of who we are and we are hope. Let me say that again a little bit slower. So we, we know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Watch this progression in the Word. Hebrew, uh, excuse me, Romans 10, 17. We know that Jesus is the Word of God made flesh, John 1, 14. And we know that the church, the body of Christ, is built upon that rock, Matthew 16, 18. So it could be reasonably said that, that, that faith is our foundation because why? He's built upon the rock. Jesus says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. The Word is made flesh in Jesus Christ. And that faith is the foundation of hope. Why? Because faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for. Substance is the foundation and the evidence of things not seen. It's that, it's that evidence, it's the substance, it's the foundation of our hope. And Or it's at the foundation of who we are. And we are hope. Why? Because Hope is what comes out of our life. It's the manifestation that transcends joy and we are to rejoice in that hope. Now I want to watch here also how that all ties into love. You may have to get this and, and, and go back and listen to this again and get it in your spirit. And it says, and we, we read this out of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 13. It says, Love suffers long, it's kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now folks, how many times do you ask yourself, really, how can, how can true love, how can love have all of these attributes? Come on, really. And somebody says, well, well do you love me? And we'll say, well, yeah, I love you. Do you well, do you suffer long? Are you kind? Are you envious? Well, well, well. Well, folks, listen. There's a litmus test right here for love. And I'm not talking about man's type of love. That man's, man's love that's, that is dependent upon what we see. We fell in love with a girl. Why? Because of the way she looked. We, we fell in love with a, a car. Why? Because of the way it drove. You know, it's all these, these, these things that are temporal. But all these things that he's talking about is things that, 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 that don't make sense in the natural. Man, why would I want to rejoice in why would I why would I want why would I not want to rejoice if, if somebody why would I want, not want to be rude if somebody wrongs me I want to seek myself I want to be provoked I, I want to think but love does not do any of those things and so because but why does love contain those attributes it's because of this because love hopes all things and so biblical love is tied in why because it hopes all things or the basis for biblical love is hope and the foundation of hope is faith. See how those things are tied together? What is the foundation of hope? It's faith. 
But what is the foundation of faith? It's hope. Now, if we say that we love someone, what are we doing? We're, we're hopeful. That there's, there's a hopefulness. There is something, there's a, there's, there's a state of being, there's something inside of us. It, there's, a, there's, there's something inside of us that, 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 that is not looking for a goal, but it, it's a state of being. And so if we love someone and the foundation is hope, and, the, and hope's foundation is faith, what do we see? We're not seeing that in who we are. It's just like Jesus sees us. See, folks, once we get saved, Jesus no longer sees us with our sin. Or God never sees us, no longer sees us through our sin, but He sees us through the hope that the blood of Jesus creates. And so, folks, it's the same way with one another. If we have love towards someone, we cease to see them based upon their, their failures. We, based, we cease to see them based upon their, uh, their idiosyncrasies, upon their personalities. And what do we see? We see them through hope. We see them through the, 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 the shadow of hope in their lives. And we see them through that covering aspect of hope, which is, which, which is the foundation for love. And so when it says that love covers a multitude of things, why? Because hope has at as its, as its heart, it has, it has hope, uh, or uh, has love. And love has at its hope, it has hope. And, and, and hope has at its foundation, is faith. And so all those things emit from that same type of source. And so can love suffer long? Can love be kind? Can love do all those type of things? Yes, why? Because it's not based upon what we see, but it's based upon what is happening in the spiritual realm. And so it's like the guy that said, you know what, I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better than I look right now. Folks, that is a reality. Listen, God sees us in the future. He sees us in, in, in that place and He says that you're seated with Him in heavenly places. There's a place that He's established for us in the kingdom, in the now. And so when we walk in that foundation of, of, of hope and of love and of faith, we move from a place of happiness to a place of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because love, again, is not something that we do, but it's something to be according to 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Love is of God. Everyone that loves God knows God because God is love. And if God is in us, what is that? We are the manifestation. We are love as well because we are of Him and we've been grafted into Him and what flows out of Him flows into us and into a world uh, that's dark. So, now you can see why we should rejoice in this hope. He says to, to, to rejoice in hope wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, we see that is because it's what separates us and literally distinguishes us from the world. They have no hope. The world has no hope. They have no foundation is why. And so they do not have the capacity to demonstrate genuine love either. They have sought to do the, do the things that we are and have always come up short because their doing is based upon seeing wherein our being is based upon our knowing apart from anything seen. I want to say that again slower. The world has no hope because they have no foundation. They do not have the capacity to demonstrate genuine love because they have sought to do the things that we are naturally. And they always come up short because their doing is based upon what they see and our being is based upon our knowing apart from anything that we might see. So we get to rejoice in the hope and the glory of God which is looking beyond literally the natural and that which is eternal because our hope... Uh, our hope is not in a life that really the Scripture talks is but a, but a vapor. But our hope is that there's a life beyond the visible that spans all the ages. And so folks, what is our hope in? Our hope is in something that's eternal. It's, it's bigger than, 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 than this lifetime. It's bigger than these accomplishments. It's bigger than what I'm going to do today or next week. It's bigger than, than my family or my job or my ministry. 
that my hope is in something so enormously much bigger than anything that I could put my hands on or I could even comprehend in the natural. And so hope should keep everything else in our lives in a perfect perspective. Think about this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3-5. through five. And I'm going to be in Colossians just for a minute. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3-5. through five. And he says, We give thanks to the God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word, before in the word of the truth of the gospel. He said, We give thanks to God our Father for you in the, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always, since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your love for the saints, because he says your your faith and your love is because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. So, folks, there's that back to that place where that we have a hope that's, that's that's based upon that rejoicing out of joy. Because where's our hope tied to? Our hope is not tied to this world. We're just sojourners. We're just passing through this, this as, as strangers in a foreign land. But see, our hope is in that thing which is eternal. Our hope is laid up for us. Not in a bank account. It's not laid up for us in a, rep, uh, a, a reputation. It's not laid up for us in, in our job. It's not laid up for us in a, in a relationship. Our hope is laid up for us in heaven. There's where our, our place of hope is laid up for us. And so we look at it something that, is, that, that transcends all of those other things. Our hope is in eternity. And so I encourage you when you're preaching the gospel, don't preach a temporary or temporal or earth or earth built gospel. Don't preach a, a gospel of the temporal. Why? Because then the person that you're preaching that to, as soon as their, their temporal manifestation of this happiness fails them, what happens? They think that God has failed them. Folks, listen. Our hope is laid up for us in heaven. You, you may endure things now, and sorrow may do, endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I tell you what, that morning is going to break uh, loose like the noonday. One day, and we're going to be with Christ, and we'll always be with the Lord. And all that we're experiencing right now is just going to be just a, a momentary blip on the radar screen as we're going to get to know Him. And, and while we're still in, in Colossians, look at Colossians 1, 21-23, and this same type of deal that, that we rejoice in this hope, as, as we're talking, we're rejoicing in this in this this hope of, of, of the glory of God. And where is that hope at? Now, now listen. This is powerful too. And it says in Colossians one twenty one through twenty three, Colossians one twenty one through twenty three. It says, "And you who were once alienated and and were enemies in your mind by wicked works." Yet now he is he is reconciled. Folks, listen, before Christ Jesus, we were enemies. We were enemies of the cross. We hated God. We, there was an enmity against us. There was a mutual hatred. We did not like God. And, 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 and God uh, did not look favorably upon our sin. And it separated us from Him. He said, you were once alienated and you were enemies. Uh, then verse 22 it says, In the body of the flesh through death, that He has reconciled us in the body of the flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and, a repro and, and, and above reproach in His sight. Now listen to verse 23 of, of Colossians chapter 1. If indeed you continue in the faith, there's that foundation, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which Paul, I, Paul, became a minister. Listen to this, folks. Listen, we were alienated at one time. We were enemies in our mind, but now he's presented us holy and blameless above reproach. If you continue in the faith, if you continue in the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God and are steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Folks, here's what's happened. The modern church, the modern apostate, 
blasphemous, watered-down, pastel-pink church has literally, they have moved away from the hope of the glory and they have moved into a realm of having confidence in the flesh and the happiness of circumstances and of mankind. Now folks, it tells us that we're going to be uh, uh, looked at and we're going to be presented holy and blameless uh, and above reproach in His sight if we continue in the faith and we are not uh, uh, moved away from that hope of the glory of God. And folks, listen. What if we are? Then it says that we once again will become alienated. We'll become enemies once again. We have got to maintain through steadfastness, through steadfastness through a, 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 a determination, a dedication that, Lord God, listen, my hope is in heaven. That there, There's the place that you have for me. That that is my goal. That I'm seeking the kingdom and your righteousness. That my affections are above uh, and not beneath. Lord God, that I'm not looking to the right or to the left. That, I, that I'm seeking you. I'm desiring after you. That I'm pressing into you. That I, I love you. And listen, regardless of what happens in this lifetime, that listen, my hope is in heaven. And I know that you're going to present me holy and blameless and above reproach in your sight because I've not removed, been moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Folks, i got news for you. If you've been in on any of these lessons that we've studied in the book of Romans, the, these 46, 47 classes that we've had, listen, you've heard the gospel of hope. If you've heard anything, you've heard the gospel of a genuine hope. Maybe not a, a, a gospel of happiness that says that your situation is going to be changed, but you've heard a gospel of hope. You've heard a gospel that, that says that, that, uh, that therein is the righteousness of, of God revealed from faith to faith, that the just shall live by faith, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But now that we have been reconciled unto God, that, 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 uh, that we've been... Uh, 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 redeemed from those sins past through their mission and that, that forbearance of God. You've heard these things. And so you've heard the gospel of hope of, of, the, of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. And my encouragement and literally my admonition to you is do not be removed from those things based upon your situation which is a, a, a something that is apart from joy which does not walk in the scene but uh, in this unseen, in the scene, it's a happiness that is dependent upon circumstance. But walk in a joy unspeakable and full of glory, and do not be moved away from that hope. Otherwise, what you do is you heap unrighteousness upon yourself. Now think about this: Hebrews six seventeen through twenty. Hebrews six seventeen through twenty. He says, "Thus God, determining to show more abundantly, how show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel." Try saying that real quick. Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Now think about that, folks. That He showed us more abundantly because, abundantly because we are heirs of the promise of that uh, immutability of His counsel and it's confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things that it's impossible for God to lie, that we have a strong consolation, that we have fled for refuge, that we fled for that place of safety, that He is our refuge, He is our strong tower, He is our, our ever-present help in time of need, that we've fled for a refuge in that place that we are laying, laying hold of the hope that is set before us. That that's that, that hope which, that, of the gospel, that, that hope that's laid up for us in heaven according to Colossians 1, uh, 3-5. through 5. Then he says, this hope, in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6, we have as an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. 
Man, if you want to know more about that, go back to our teachings on Romans 3, uh, 23, 24, and 25 about that propitiation and the glory of God which is, which is evident beyond the veil. That that is that anchor for our soul. It is sure. It is steadfast. It enters into the present. Folks, listen. The anchor is hope. The anchor is that, that, that thing that, that, is, that is what we are. It's the manifestation of our relationship with Him. It transcends circumstance. It transcends the temporal. It transcends error. It transcends situations. It transcends weakness. And it says, you know what? Hope is not what I'm looking at. Hope is what I am because my hope is in heaven. My goal is not this. My goal is not promotion. My, my, my goal is obedience to the things of God and the manifestation of His holiness in my life. Wherein, he says in the next verse, verse 20 of Hebrews 6, wherein the forerunners entered, uh, entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so there, there's our promise, folks. It's a, we have an anchor that we've laid refuges and we have refuge in and we're laying our hands upon that hope of glory that has been set before us. Now think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 14. Folks, listen, there's a hope. And, and listen, if we can put our hands around hope, it's not hope at all. Hope's too big for that. Happiness you can. You can say, well, if this happens right or this happens right, that's why happiness is happy. Happiness Whatever, happiness is the root of that same word, to hap, a circumstance, that which does. Folks, we're not based upon that. We're not looking for a happenstance or happiness or based upon what happens. What happened in our life was that Christ came to redeem us from those type of things. And so our, our joy transcends those things. Our hope, our faith, our love transcends what happens because we know that it's already been set before us. It's been established in the kingdom. But think about this. 1 Corinthians 2, 7-14. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. What does it say? Think about that again. We, we have hope also in what? The glory of God. So listen to it. Uh, ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, or none of those that were in authority. For the, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If, if those that were in leadership, rulership, have recognized this, listen, they'd have thought differently. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. But God hath revealed them to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God no man knows but the Spirit of God. Now we have received... Not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. That's that hope. Uh, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Folks, when we're talking about rejoicing in the hope of glory, we're talking about joy, we're talking about hope, uh, we're talking about spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You'll never be intimate with the things of God until you're intimate with Christ Jesus through a relationship with Him, through faith in His blood. Now, Romans 3-5, uh, I want to read this part again. Romans chapter 5, 3-5. But it says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Here's our next uh, three verses. And so, as a matter of fact, let me go back and I want to read those together. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith unto the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience works experience, experience hope, and hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts 
by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Now think about that verse 3 as we're, we're moving into that. And it says, and not only so, and not only so what? Not, not, only, not only so that we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God or that which is uh, going to be happening in the future, in eternity. He said, but well, i got news for you. Because hope is not what we do, but hope is who we are. He said, we also glory in tribulations also, knowing that those tribulations work patience. Folks, that word, uh, that phrase really, to glory in tribulations, does not imply that, that, that or mean that we glory uh, when we are in tribulations, but instead it means that we glory because, uh, or, or glory that, that or let me say this in a better way, it's going to be more understandable to you. That does not simply mean that, that, that we have a glory or we, we rejoice uh, in the fact that uh, that we may go through a tribulation, I should say, or that that, that we that those are situations. But the glory comes in, in in saying that we get to go through the tribulation. I hope you understand that. It's not saying, well, I glory because I went through something. It's saying that I glory because I get to go through something. Folks, listen. You know, we sometimes uh, people pray that, that people that don't genuinely know Him, and they say, God, why do I have to go through that? Rather than saying, God, thank you for allowing me to go through that. Folks, listen, we need to get to glory in our situations. When things don't work out right, we need to glory in those situations. We need to say, thank God that God put me through a situation. I preached a message uh, uh, a couple of years ago, and I think I had it in one of our, our uh, uh, sermon written out in one of our newsletters. But what the, what the message was is, can you be trusted in the trials? Folks, listen, we need to get to the point where we can glory in tribulations also. That, that we know that God sees into our lives, not unlike Job, when, when God spoke to Satan, he said, listen, have you considered my servant Job? Why could God do that? Because he knew the heart of Job. I always want to be in that situation. God, can you trust me in the trials? God, can I say, man, I glory in tribulation because I know that when I go through there, that, that, that man, that, that I'm, going to, I'm going to be faithful, that, that God is going to find me faithful in that situation, that, that my, my peace is going to remain, that I'm going to be sanctified in it, I'm going to come out the other side, and the glory of God is going to be made manifest and all those things that we have in those situations. And so I want to see the power of God made manifest regardless of where I am or what I do in those situations. And folks, the only way you can have that is to have a biblical type of hope that transcends the limitations of our understanding. So folks, we've got to realize something that the Word of God is absolute truth. Now I want to say this. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 3 through 4. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 through 4. It says, No one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that they are appointed that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before uh, when we were with you that you would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. Folks, listen. This, none of these things that we go through should come as a, as a shock. We're promised to go through tribulation. Why? Because what tribulation does is works in us the righteousness of God. It reveals in us the character of God and all those type of things. Now Ephesians 3 13 through 14. That was 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 through 4. Now Ephesians 3, 13 through 14 says this. He said, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, all those things that we do, it says we glory, not, but also in our tribulations. Why? Because Folks, when you go, get to go through tribulation, not when you have to go through tribulations, but when you get to go through tribulation, you know what it does? It identifies you with Christ Jesus. Because we in this world, he said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Don't think it strange concerning the, the tribulations. If some strange thing has come upon you, 
Folks, listen, that is our inheritance. We get to go through those things because those things prove out that we genuinely love God, that we belong to Him, that we are a partaker of Him. Because if we're a partaker in His tribulations or in His sufferings, then we get to be a partaker in His glory. The glory of what? That hope of glory that awaits us in heaven. Now listen to this. He says uh, in 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5, 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5, and I'm getting ready to close out today. We're about out of time. He said, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endured. Now listen to that. He said, We glory in you, the churches of God. He said, We didn't glory that you've got a lot of money. We didn't glory that you built another building. We didn't glory because you, you, you've got prominence. He said, We glory in your patience and faith and in your persecutions and in tribulations that you endure. Folks, what we needed to begin to do, we said, man, hey, how's it going in your church? Man, we're just really going through some things. Praise God that your church is going through some things. Praise God that, that you've suffered difficulty. We see it when we come together, even on a Tuesday night, and have our Raven Nation church. Man, we've got demoniacs. We've got Satanists. We've got all these people that come in. Man, I praise God for those opportunities. We get atheists. We've got everyone coming. I glory in those tribulations and those times to be able to do it. Why? Because it tells us that we are on the right path, that we're putting the right foot before us and we're walking where God wants us to do. Why? Because we get to see those things. And in 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5, it goes on to say, He said that... that I glory in all your faith, your patience, and those persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Now, folks, that, when it says it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that's not talking about judgment in a sense of condemnation or, or against, but it's speaking of the sense of making the right decision. He said, man, that's a manifest token that God made the right decision, that God said the right things, that, that God is, is issuing a favorable judgment. God is issuing a favorable decision on your, on your behalf. Why? Because you're going... It's like those 22 Korean. Man, I praise God for them. That, that man, that God saw that they were able to, to go through those type of things. That they're, they're preaching to the Taliban. They're preaching to those that are lost. And they're willing to lay down their lives for those things. And so, that those things serve to prove that we can be counted worthy of His kingdom. And so, it's that whole, that whole tribulation things, that persecutions and tribulation... Folks, that word tribulation literally means a pressing or a pressing together. And so, folks, we're to press towards that mark. We're to press through the crowd to get to Jesus. And so our tribulations cause us to be pressed. They cause all that stuff to be squeezed out of us. They cause the, the, the filthiness, the, the, the wrong decisions, the pride, the jealousy, the envy. All those things are wrung out of us as we are pressed. That way, one day, He is laundering us through the press. It's like you go to a laundromat and you want that pressed? Absolutely. I want all the wrinkles pressed out of that situation. Folks, he said that I'm going to present to my church a glorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle. Folks, there's the tribulation. He said, I glory in that because God is pressing out those things. That way when you stand before Him, He's going to say, Lord God, well done, my good and faithful servant. But the modern church, as we all see, tries to avoid the press. And if you avoid the press, if you avoid the tribulation for the sake of happiness, you're going to avoid the kingdom. And where you're going to find yourself is with a certain a promise of a certainly certain fiery indignation awaiting for you on the day of judgment. Not heaven. Tribulation, he said, works patience. Patience is a steadfast constancy. It's an endurance. 
It's, it's, it's something that is lacking in, in, in the churches today. Why? Because the church today has been presented with way too many choices. I'm going to end there at the verse at end of verse 3 today, folks. We are totally out of time. I wish we had we could take another two hours. But listen, we've got more days ahead. We'll be here tomorrow. Same time, 9 o'clock Eastern from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock Eastern time for the uh, for the Raven Nation. Once again, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can go to www.biggrace.com. That's B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. And you can click on Raven Institute. We've got 47, I believe, of the previous teachings on this that you can go and, and, and download for absolutely for free. And uh, uh, to your computer, pass those th- things around uh, and allow other people to partake of that. Folks, my advice for you is the same as it always is. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you. Have a great day.